Hey everybody, welcome to Drive Through Review 553. Today we're going to take a look at a Feast for Odin. This is quite a beefy box. This is a new game from Uwe Rosenberg and it's published by Z-Man Games. It plays one to four players and it is somewhat similar to his previous games, uh, Fields of Arl, Caverna, Agricola. It's got some of that stuff uh, sort of reminiscent and it also has a little bit of like patchwork or cottage garden thrown in there. Uh, it's set in a Viking theme, obviously, and each player will have their own sort of little space that they are gathering treasures and different uh, goods and items and clothing and all kinds of stuff, and then sending out workers or Vikings to go raid and pillage or go hunting or go trading and do all kinds of uh, different activities. And of course the winner is one of the most points, but let's take a look at how the mechanics of the game work. Uh, and I won't go too in detail because there's like a hundred different action spaces. So I will kind of just give you an overall gist, but I'll go over most of it. And then I will tell you what I think of it. Okay, so here is everything that you get in the game, just about. You can see we've got some trays of goods, a player board, kind of a main action board there with a lot of action spaces, some goods and coins and other player colors and things like that. Uh, so the first thing that's going to be very daunting, of course, is this big action board. It's actually not uh, too bad. And once you kind of learn it, it'll probably take a play or two to kind of really get your feet in there and start to figure out, you know, where you want to go all the time. Uh, but first, let's actually look at these two trays. Now, these actually come in the game like this. I'm just going to pop the top off, and you will play out of these trays uh, as like so. So you've got different goods, and the way that these are organized has meaning to the game. So think of this almost as another board that you would normally like plop tokens on, uh, but instead of making it super messy, it has these little compartments. So players actually will start here with a horn here, a horn of ale, and they'll have this one. But you can see this is actually double-sided. So we've got a little thing of peas here. And one thing you can do is you can maybe upgrade these peas to the horn of ale, and then you can upgrade the red side up into here into the green one, which is this, this barrel. And then the barrel can eventually then be flipped over to the blue side, uh, which is like this little uh, like rune stone thing there. And I'll explain what the sword and the six mean. But each of these has kind of like a track that you can go up. So here you have a cow on the far right side and this cow could become pregnant and it'll make more baby cows. And the one thing you could do with a pregnant cow or a bull is you can upgrade that again to the green side here and then you can make some clothing with this, like a robe or something, and then obviously upgrade that into uh, some kind of like, I don't know, sort of treasure, silver, armor type stuff. And so each of these has sort of a, sort of a logical progression. You know, you've got sheep and that'll turn into pelts and then you can make jewelry and stuff out of them. So they all kind of go up this different track and that's really kind of what you're gonna be focused on for much of the game. Now there's this board right here, which has a variety of different treasures. Now you can see most of the shapes of the goods I was just showing you are kind of normal shapes. They're either little rectangles or maybe squares and some are bigger or smaller than others. Now this has different odd shapes. And the reason for that is, is for your main player board, you're gonna be taking these out and sort of fitting them together like in a patchwork or Tetris-like fashion to cover up plots of land. Uh, but these can be got through like raiding and pillaging and blacksmithing in different ways. But these are kind of funky pieces that will help you uh, cover up weird parts of your plot. 
And here we have, everybody gets a main player board. Now you're gonna start with five of your worker, your Viking workers here, and this is called the thing. So this is kind of like a gathering. You can see they're around the tree there. You're gonna start with that, and the first thing you're gonna do every round is take one from your little display here and add it. So as the game goes along, you're gonna have a ton of workers in there. Now over here you can see this plot of land. If we zoom in a little bit there, you can see a lot of these are minus one victory point. So you want to cover these up with different tokens. Now, if we also zoom in here, let's move down just a little bit there, and you can see this little iconography here. Now, this is telling you what you can put on your main plot up here. You can put money, these little silver things. You can put these little ore cubes, and you'll be able to collect these throughout the game and cover up spots with these. And you can also put blue and green uh, tokens on here. So you can't put any sheep on here, for example, because that's red. But you could put on, we could upgrade that sheep to a pelt, and you could put that in there covering this up. Now the thing to note about green is it can never touch orthogonally. It can only touch diagonally or not at all. So this could be legal like that, but if this was over there touching that along an edge, then that would not be legal. Now the other thing to know about placement is that you pretty much want to start here from your lower left hand corner and then kind of work your way up. So as you move up here, you can see this kind of like an income track here. You can see this uh, these little icons here with the hand and the money. So at the start of the game, you get zero income. But if we cover that up, let's say with a, uh, a barrel here or something, we'll cover that up. So now we've covered that up and the lowest income displayed is the one. And then if once we cover up the one, then it will get two and so on. So you kind of, it kind of forces you up this gradual thing, but there's nothing stopping you uh, from just like plopping down just to cover the negative one or something. Although you wouldn't really want to do that. Now, the other thing to note about these income spots is you can't cover them until everything to the left and below them is covered. So if I had a coin here, because remember you can cover up uh, these spots with coins, I couldn't just put that like that because the spaces underneath it are not fully covered. I would need here, and let's just use this as an example, because some of the coins are shaped, although you can make change whenever you want. Let's say I had this one like that. Then I could go ahead and place that on there because everything to the left of this spot and below it is covered. So now I'm gonna get two income when we hit the income phase there. Now the other things to note are these little bonus spaces. You can see there's another horn, maybe some wood, an ore, that little rune I showed you, or some, some stone. These you'll start to get uh, during the income step or in the bonus step, which is just after the income step, uh, once you surround them. So let's just lay out some examples here. Maybe I'll put that there. We'll put this little coin there. And so now we want to fully cover it. So I'll just lay that green one down here. Now this is illegal, so that's a bad example. We'll flip that over uh, because that would be adjacent to that other green one. So we'll do like that. And let's say I had this. Now on my uh, income step, I'd be getting two coins, and then I would get a bonus horn of ale here because I've fully surrounded it. Now you can cover that up if you want. If it's in your way, you can go ahead and cover it up, but uh, you want to try to surround those to get the bonus wood and stuff. Now your player board also has uh, little stables for cows and sheep and places for boats, but I'll talk about those more in a minute. But let's walk through a turn pretty quickly. So the game gives you this handy dandy uh, player aid and this little wooden token to help you uh, keep track. So it does actually make the game flow uh, very, very smoothly. So the first thing you're gonna do, like I showed you earlier, is you're gonna get a new Viking and add it to your group to be placed out. And then you're going to harvest. 
So you're going to take a look at the spot where the Viking came from and then look underneath there. So you can see we're going to harvest the level one goods. And then in the next round, we're going to harvest the level one and two. And then in the third round, we're going to get nothing. And the fourth round, one to three and so on. Now, the other thing you're going to do after the harvest is you're going to maybe flip over some of these exploration tiles. There's going to be four of these. I'll show you the one here that has the A on it. There's going to be four of these out on the board. And for an action, you can take and put this uh, sort of in your possession. So this gives you another sort of player board to start covering up and you get some points for it there. Although it does come with negative points, but it also gives you extra bonuses. And some of these here, you can see there's the income there. But if nobody had taken this one, this tells us here to flip over the A. So this now goes away, nobody can get it. And then this now becomes a little bit more difficult, but also a little bit more rewarding of a tile to explore. And you can see these have the same rules. Uh, anything that isn't yet explored, whenever we flip one over, you're going to take and put two coins on them to kind of incentivize folks to take those. So after doing the harvest, possibly flipping over one of the exploration boards, uh, we're going to draw a new weapon. Now, this is the weapon deck here, and so here we have the example of a sword. Everybody's going to get a new random one every turn. And then we're going to go into doing the actions. Now I should say the players do start with a trap, a bow and arrow, and a spear. And then of course in the first round I drew the sword, so we would add that to our weapon collection. These are face up. Now each player is going to get a starting occupation card. So you can see these have a kind of a lighter gold background. Everybody will have one of these. And these are hidden in your hand and you can take actions to play them. And there's a variety of effects. Now you can see here there's three giant stacks of these occupation cards, A, B, and C. I would certainly recommend playing with the A deck for your first game. Uh, I've only played with A and C. Uh, they do get a little bit more complicated. Now you can see here, uh, these starter ones, like I said, have the light background. So you'll take these and deal these out randomly. And then this deck will be available. And there's a huge variety of these. Uh, so you, or you can, the rules say you can even just shuffle everything up together. I, well, I have thoughts on <laughs> the cards in the review, so I'll leave that there. But those are the cards that you got. So now at this point, we're in the meat of the game. This is all the action spaces that are available, and they're always available. Uh, there's some different rules. You can see these are kind of like four columns here of action spaces. And you can also see these are sort of grouped into different uh, relevant sections here. But first, let's look at the columns. So you can see there has a little depiction of a one worker, two workers, three workers, and then four workers. So anytime you want to take an action uh, in this column here, you've got to place one worker, then you can do the action. Anytime you want to place and do an action here, two workers, you can put three workers here and four. So obviously these are usually better. Sometimes they're not as good uh, because you're using more workers, but somebody else beat you to a better spot on the left. Now, if we look up here, you can see when you place three workers, in any of these spots here, you get to draw a new occupation card. So it's a way to kind of get you to do that. Now, if you look over here, where you have four, when you place four, you can play an occupation card. Now there are other spaces here that let you draw and play, but these all have that inherent benefit of being able to draw or play. Uh, so I, 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 don't, I'm, I have two minds about going through all these. I'm just gonna kind of generally go through them. Uh, they're gonna just be gift, different ways to get those goods that I talked about. Uh, and you know, possibly uh, get goods out of the goods and convert the goods and upgrade the goods, uh, go on raids to get more goods and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so these, that top row there is all about getting tiles like this. So this is just one of the examples here that you can get. And these are like little house tiles 
And so you'll take this, it's worth eight points, but you're going to subtract, in this case, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, unless it, by the end of the game you've placed three stone and three wood on here, then you'll get the full eight points. And so there's a variety of different tiles like this, three different types. Uh, so you can go and grab uh, the one indicated uh, by the spot there. And those are cool little bonus points. And by the end of the game, you might have some extra goods. Uh, if we go down here, you can get a boat uh, in these different areas over here. So off to the side, you'll have this little board with boats. And there's three different kind of boats. You've got a whaling boat, this little boat here. You've got kind of like a trading merchant vessel boat. And you have a raiding boat. Now you can tell the blue sail and the red sail differentiate these. All these, these are also worth eight points. And these are kind of moving diagonal. You can also see you can load um, ore onto these, and these are going to give you bonuses when you take them out to either raid or, in this case, uh, hunt whales. Now, instead of going to the action spot to get that, you can actually at any time buy one of these boats. Now, the cost is actually on the board there, but it's easy because the cost is actually the same as the victory points. So if you want to just buy a raiding boat, you could pay eight bucks and get it and then, you know, do the rest of your turn. So here you have the hunting and whaling spaces, and there's a couple of different ways that you do it. Um, the gist of it is, let's say we were hunting. Now the hunting spaces all have me roll these orange die, and that's a horrible roll because you want to roll low. And let's say I rolled an eight, that sucks. So you actually can roll it up to three times. So, but you have to stop at whatever roll and take your third roll. Now let's say I rolled a two. Okay, so I need kind of two things to add up to two. Now the things that you can use are going to depend on the type of hunt that you're doing. Uh, if you're whaling, you're going to roll this d12 here, so that's a six. So it's a little bit harder, but you get a little bit more of a reward here. So the whaling, you get all this stuff here, and the hunting, you get these here. Now, what can be contributed? Well, for hunting, it has little icons here, but you can contribute a bow and wood, and that will, so those two pieces, I'll discard those, and that will equal two. For the whaling, it has to have things adding up to six, and the thing that you can contribute to that would be these spears or wood. So you'll have a bunch of those uh, in your possession, hopefully, by the time you do this. Now, if you fail, it's not the end of the world, and it, it's certainly, uh, you know, okay to go here and just kind of say, you know what, if I fail, I fail. If, if I don't get what I want, you do get a kind of a compensation. So you will, in this case, get one of each item that you can spend. So I will get a bow and arrow and a wood. So I'll sort of trained and, you know, used up my knowledge and I'll get that back. And the same with the whaling here, you'll get a spear and a wood. Now you'll also, if you fail in some of these spaces, get workers back that you placed. So you can see I placed three workers here. If I failed, I get a spear of wood and two of those workers back to replace again. Uh, so it's not the end of the world. And again, you do get to roll three times here. Now there's one other space that allows you to roll when you go raiding. In that case, you want to roll a high number, but when you're hunting or whaling, you want to roll a low number and then spend wood and cards to get up to it. Now this next section is all about getting livestock. So you're going to get cows, you're going to get sheep, and it, they just have varying uh, degrees of efficiency. So here you can pay a buck, but you only use two workers. Here you can get either or, but it costs three workers, but it doesn't cost a buck for the sheep. This one costs three bucks for the cow, but you get a milk. This one is one buck and you just get the cow. Uh, so these you're going to get. Now we'll just talk about this now. If you have in your stable at least two of a particular kind, so let's say I had two cows or three cows, it doesn't matter, as long as you have more than two, in the breeding phase, one of these will become magically pregnant. <laughs> 
And then in the next breeding phase, if you have a pregnant cow, this will now become back to a bull, which is sort of funny, uh, but it will become not pregnant and then you will get another cow. So you can also see these are worth victory points at the end of the game. And it's the same rules for the sheep. If you have two or more, one will become pregnant. And then in the following turn, then you will uh, get a new one. So it's a little bit of a double step uh, breeding process in this case. Now underneath this, we have some other spaces. You can go here and get a bushel of uh, vegetables. You can get flowers, you can get fish. You can get two horns, you get some money. You can get a certain amount of milk based on the number of cows you have. You can get wool from sheep and so on. Now down here, you have sort of a, a crafting area. And so you can start to convert goods down here. So you can go from this bushel of flowers to some, uh, you know, some paper type of thing. And you can do one of each of these. So you can get two bucks and a, and a cloth a robe and then all these different spaces. Now these spots here will allow you to convert goods. So you'll have uh, the wood or the stone, the ore there and the wood. This is really only the three uh, wooden types of goods there. Now this spot here is the blacksmith. And so you can spend one of those ore there and then you can come and get anything over here that has this symbol on it. Now all of these have that symbol and then also this cross has that symbol. So just note that, that you can actually get at this one with blacksmithing, but none of the other ones up here in this top section. So you can straight just go up and take it and then you can add it to your uh, your player board over here. So here's the mountains and trade. So let's talk about the trade real quick. I've already kind of mentioned that. Uh, so here you can upgrade two different items. So let's say I had a cow and I don't know, I had a uh, some bones here. So I could upgrade these two different items. Well, this one become a blue one and this one will convert into the green one like that. So that's when you see the upgrade there, that's how you do it. And this one allows you to upgrade any number of different uh, green items and so on. So there's a few different ways to do that. Uh, now the mountain spaces, will be found off to the side here. Now you have a certain number of these up and then each round new ones will come up and this will tell you how to fill them out. So you put a certain amount of wood and stone and ore on them. And you're always gonna end up with these little spots with two coins. Now when you visit a mountain space, it's gonna give you a number. So it'll say like two. So you pick a mountain space, you take the leftmost two items and the next player maybe comes along and instead now they get this. And at the end of the round, you're always gonna pull off the leftmost single item. And if the only thing that's left is this last little uh, two coin thing, it's just gonna uh, go away. And you're always gonna flip over a new one every single round. Now some items will let you, uh, excuse me, some action spaces will let you go to multiple mountains and so on. But that's a, a very uh, solid way of going and getting these goods. Now here we start to see uh, different ways to use our boats here. So. Uh, these merchant ships here are ways that you can go and basically kind of trade or just upgrade the green items like I was saying earlier. Uh, once you have these pillaging uh, boats here, then you're gonna, if you do raiding, you're gonna roll the orange die, but you don't wanna do that. You wanna get a, you wanna get a large number. So you wanna go to these pillaging spots and roll a high number, and you're gonna be able to add now items to that. So you can add stone and swords and so on. Now you do have to have a, uh, raiding boat, which I showed you earlier here. And you do like to load these up with ore because these also will add to whatever your roll was. So let's say I rolled this 12. I'd have 12, 13, 14, 15. Don't have to discard these, but if I wanted to, I could add this, these two uh, to that, whatever that roll was. So when you do that, you're looking here at the blue items and it's worth noting, I should have mentioned this earlier, uh, that these are sort of quote unquote blue items as well because you can put these on your player board. But what you're looking for is this number here, this sword number, which I said I would mention earlier. So that's a 10. So if I went 
pillaging and I scored a roll of 10 or higher with all the swords and everything I contributed, I could take this and then I could use it and put it on my board when I want it. Or like this one here costs 15 and there's a spot that actually lets you just take this directly. Uh, and then there's other spots here, like this one costs you 12. Um, and this one here is the 16 one. And this one's actually worth two extra points at the end of the game. So that's what pillaging is. And then down here we have the spaces that allow you to go and acquire one of these boards and then hopefully try to fill it up later. Uh, some of these others allow you to draw on, play cards of varying different degrees. This last one here is called um, Emigration, and these allow you to upgrade your merchant ships and your raiding ships here. So we can see these like so. You can take an action to flip these up. So now this will become, instead of five points, it'll become 18, and these eights will become 21. And you'll move them, this is where they go on the board here, you'll take and move them up to here. So this will actually reduce the amount of food that you have to feed, because you can see these empty spaces and then as workers come off, you'll have more spaces. You'll need to fill these up with different goods to feed, and I'll explain that more in a minute. But these will uh, reduce the amount of food that you have to pay every round. So after everybody's done taking actions, then we're gonna go figure out who the start player is and they get this cool looking moose. And basically that's the last player to put out their workers, so they will get start player. And then you'll get income, which I already talked about, from your player board. And then you're gonna go to animal breeding, which is, again, if you have two or more, you become pregnant. And then the next round you will actually, at this step, produce the baby. And then we're gonna do here the feast. Now the feast I've already talked about, and here you can put either orange or red tiles, or you can actually put coins, if you wish, there. Now the thing to keep in mind is you cannot have uh, orange and orange uh, touching each other. So, and we'll put it like this. So let's just do a little bit of example like this. And let's add that one there. And I can put this other orange one here like that. So you want to kind of have some goods set aside to actually, uh, you know, fill these up. Now you can get like a, a square good here. And even though it's, it's, I guess technically it's a waste, but it's filling up those there. Now, if you do a second good of, a, of, of the same type, uh, let's say we had a, a two of these flowers there, the second one that you use or more has to actually be used sort of vertical. So you can't get the full use out of it because you want sort of a diversity of goods here. Um, now, if you can't uh, fill up all the spaces, you're gonna take a negative three token that you will count against you at the end of the game, similar to Agricola and stuff. Uh, but that's the feasting phase there. So after feasting, then you do the bonus. And remember, these are the spaces you surrounded on your player board. Uh, you update the new mountains, like I talked about earlier, and then take all the action, uh, Vikings back, and then you start all the way back up here, and you do add a new Viking. Now there is a short and a long game. It's basically a one round difference. One is six rounds, one seven rounds, and you flip the player board over, uh, depending on which type of game you're playing. I didn't really talk too much about the cards. Uh, when you go to uh, take an action to play a card, then you'll take a card from your hand and just put it face up in front of you. It will give you a fixed amount of points and sometimes like an immediate effect or like this one here, or you get uh, different abilities and you get uh, end game bonuses and there's just a ton of these things. But that's pretty much the whole game. Okay, so that is a feast for Odin. I should say in a four player game, you actually get these little tokens here and you'll put these under the action board and that will allow you to duplicate actions in a specific column. They're kind of put out randomly because it does get really crowded 
uh, with a four-player game. Uh, I have played as one, two, and four-player. Uh, it is okay solitaire. I don't know that I would seek it out to play it solitaire, but uh, I think a lot of people that like to play games solitaire a lot would probably get a, a good deal of enjoyment out of this and probably be worth your money. Um, so what do I think of this game? Well, it's sort of like a Caverna and sort of like Agricola, I guess, because uh, it's sort of like Fields of Aura, which I haven't played, but I've looked at. And you've got a ton of action spaces. You just go do whatever you want. So you can really kind of specialize and say, I'm going to be a hunter for a while and kind of really focus on that kind of stuff or really get invested in uh, breeding animals and getting those and converting those into, you know, the green and the blue goods that you can use. Uh, you could really focus on uh, the raiding and the pillaging. You're going to end up doing not like everything, but you're going to end up doing like a few different things, hopefully well. So you're going to really kind of try to exploit those things and the cards are going to come in and try to sort of enhance that so you get some cards that give you extra goodies when you go hunting or you get you know more stuff when you do something or you can convert certain types of goods which you can only usually get from certain things so okay oh i've got this card that will convert to you know wool into uh you know an upgrade and then so i'm going to try to get lots of wool that way and so the cards will kind of coax you into different strategies sort of um but it does feel very organic and the thing that, that comes back to me is the first time I played it I was really digging the whole action stuff and the card play and all that and then the whole thing of like filling up your player board here and trying to cover up all of these different spaces was sort of annoying <laughs> because it was just like what is this like stupid puzzle I have to do with this? you know I'm trying to work on getting like an engine going or something like that but really this is the game I mean in a sense, because you really have to cover these up. There's a ton of negative points that you can get. And it also dries up your income and the money just makes things easier because money is sort of a, like a wild. You can kind of do a lot of things with it. Um, and so it becomes sort of like an anchor on the game. But once you kind of get to the first play, like, oh, I can fill this up. I mean, it's not hard to fill the whole thing up. Uh, I can certainly see a game where you, maybe you don't. I mean, I wouldn't feel bad like if you don't fill it up in your first game for sure. But it's not like super hard to fill it up. Like a lot of people are going to be filling it up, especially as you learn the game. Uh, then I think it's you know it's going to be a lot easier. So that kind of grew on me. So I really started to like how this was driving you know the decisions. So I was like, okay, I need to get some more green ones and some more blue ones because the green ones are trickier to match up together. So you got to be careful about getting too many green ones because you won't be able to put them all out at least right away. Uh, so it really drives all of that. Um, so it has just a, a weird kind of vibe. It does feel thematic. Uh, and I think the trays actually kind of lend themselves to that. This is a really a cool thing that they did because you can see sort of the logical progression of like, okay, I get the cow, I get some leather, I get some clothes, you know, I kind of move up to there or I get these, these fruits and I can end up to get jewelry, you know, different ways. And so and you can go through and like trade and upgrade and all that kind of stuff. And so all of those kind of like mechanisms all smudged together does have a nice thematic vibe. You know, you go explore an island, you go and like settle different lands, you know, get more housing areas and you need to contribute, you know, the resources to sort of upkeep and maintain uh, all of those different things. Uh, so I, the game is a lot of fun. Now I'm going to go like a little bit negative here. But it's only because I'm comparing it to Agricola and Caverna, which are two, like, obviously uh, amazing Euro games by the same designer. And the thing that sort of sticks in my craw after a couple of plays of this is the card stuff. Because you start with one occupation card, and 
you kind of get them sort of haphazardly. I mean, you can go to Action Spaces to specifically get a card, or you can take some of those more expensive ones and you kind of just naturally accrue cards. So it's not hard to get new cards. It just will kind of happen. Uh, but there's a lot of cards in the game, uh, and the deck is huge. And you might get cards that are like, that's pointless because you're in the sixth round and there's no way you can do it. And you might get cards that are just sort of, eh, you know, uh, which is not unlike Agricola. You know, in Agricola you start with, I think, seven cards and maybe you probably use half of them, you know. Uh, it, I mean, it depends on the cards and how well they all work together. But, uh, you know, so this kind of has that same frustration, but you don't get them up front. But it's like, I don't know if you, if you gave them up front, if it would feel better because maybe it would be too easy or something. But there's just a ton. There's a huge ton of cards. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know that I would ever shuffle all of them together because you're just going to get all kinds of random stuff. It's just going to feel like little enhancements to the stuff that you're normally doing. So that's actually my own fault because I looked at this expecting it to be like, oh, this is going to be this, like, amalgamation of patchwork and agricola and caverna and fields of, you know it's gonna have all these things it's gonna be this crown jewel but the card thing is like a little bit of a letdown i don't think it's let down for everybody uh but when i look at the cards i'm like ah, i want to you know build a combo engine and do these cool effects and all this stuff and have stuff that synergizes and give me some way to like mitigate so like i just in my head i'm like i want to draw two cards and pick one when i draw a card i don't want to just draw one. now that's easy because there's tons of cards that there would be no problem playing with that variant um you just have to get people to buy into that with you so um but yeah, so that's kind of my one takeaway that's like, Ugh. but that's only because I'm comparing it to Caverna, which is like the opposite where everything is available. I mean, it's basically Agricola with all the cards laid out and you just pick and choose all the cards that you want to grab, sort of. And, you know, and then Agricola, you get them all at the beginning, you can draft them, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's the thing where to me, this is like just under uh, Caverna and then Agricola and then this one. Um, because of the card stuff. But I do actually really get into the theme of this, just kind of end on a positive note. Uh, I really like, you know, kind of the different types of activities. You're going raiding and being violent, you know, you're going here and then you're having a farm. Then you're having this like resource management thing with patchwork stuff on your board. And so all of that stuff really works together. And so maybe it's me asking too much of a game that's not supposed to have, you know, more emphasis on the cards. <laughs> So if anybody, if you're watching my video for like the first time, you're like, he's really harping on this. But if you watch a ton of my videos, you're like, oh, that makes sense <laughs> for Joel, uh, I think. So anyway, um, yeah, I definitely recommend the game. Uh, I think it's going to be reprinted here. It's going to be come back into print. I know uh, Z-Man has a hard time keeping games in print sometimes. Uh, but hopefully they can, you know, get on the ball with this one and really keep it in print. Because I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy it. And I really do enjoy it. Uh, but just, you know, the inevitable question of, you know, do you like Agricola or Caverna more? I still like those two more than this one. Uh, but this is definitely a high game, and I would totally play it. Uh, and I'd be interested to hear about, you know, variants in terms of the card play to help kind of mitigate that. Because it's like, it's just right there, you know. It's like, yeah. Uh, you know, I've had games where the cards work really well together, and it's like, oh, this is going, you know, cause this card's not that good. Okay, but I got these, and these kind of work. And the games were just like, uh, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't what I want to do. Oh, I'll play this card, I guess, for the points at the end, you know, but not really get anything out of it. So, anyway, that is A Feast of Odin. Thanks.